0: Welcome to Carmel Presbyterian Church's podcast channel. Open up a Bible or just listen in. We hope this week's message is a blessing to you. If uh, you are able to, would you please stand for the reading of God's Word. I'm going to read just a couple of verses from the book of Ecclesiastes. First verse, Ecclesiastes 1.1 1, 1 says this. This is the words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. And then chapter 3, verse 11, where the teacher says, God has also set eternity in the hearts of men. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Praise be to God. You may have a seat. You know, there's a, a beauty in this piece of wisdom, piece of wisdom literature, the book of Ecclesiastes. I don't know if you've studied in a while, some people think that the writer of this book acts almost like a Socratic teacher raising question after question and after question and not really answering most of them. You know, Traditionally, it's identified as the teacher being Solomon, and we are to imagine here thousands of years later, uh, this, uh, a great king who's experienced all the benefits of life, everything that the good life has to offer, and yet the teacher says, we're left with questions, and longing for some answers. You know, the word Ecclesiastes is actually the Greek word for the Hebrew word, uh, which I learned as Kohelet. And that means the preacher or teacher. So I'll be calling the writer of Ecclesiastes this, the preacher or the teacher. So I want you to imagine maybe even like this, a court of listeners, listening to the words of a very wise king. And then Ecclesiastes in the third chapter, verse 11, the teacher says, That God has also set eternity in the hearts of men. You have to imagine as a king that he would have experienced the beauty and the pleasures of the created world. Anything that life could offer. And yet he writes throughout the entire book the haunting realization that these pleasures ultimately do not satisfy. This longing. These unanswered questions And so thousands of years later, the the wealthy and the powerful in our day and age have found that these words ring true, that we can never accumulate enough to fill our souls with lasting joy. It's never enough. And Ecclesiastes declares that we were made for another home, that God has set eternity into our hearts. Can you sense that? Can you feel that we were meant for a world, that we only know in part, an eternal home that nothing this side of heaven is able to quell the noise of our unsettled hearts as a longing for something more. The teacher actually reminds us in verse 15, Ecclesiastes 3.15, says, whatever is has already been, and what will be has never been before. Just came to mind. He kind of sounds like Yoda sometimes, right? Just whatever is has already been, and what will be has never been before. It's like a riddle. He's saying life is a riddle. No matter how much progress we humans attain, we're still lost without a Savior, There's something that we need outside of ourselves, outside of our own human invention to help us, to save us, to answer these unanswerable questions. So the teacher says, essentially, we are back where we started. And so as you look at these ashes we've handed you, this little cup, we think about our mortality. It's a visible reminder, and you're going to be invited to place it on your foreheads or on your hand, if that is meaningful to you. We also even constructed a cross that'll demonstrate an opportunity for you to mark ashes, reminding us of this longing in our hearts that all is not how it should be. That's what we're reminded of today, that we're lost without Christ, and we make that cross. And all that it represents we see it as a, an ornament, a beautiful piece of jewelry. It was a death sentence. It was a, it was a torture instrument. And we make that sign to remind us of our own mortality and Christ taking on all of that pain. All of our sins, the Bible says. He became sin. And the mystery of that. So that we might have life. And so we're reminded that from ashes we came and ashes we shall return. And that these ashes can also now represent the the sorrow and repentance for sin that we just prayed. That can be a mark of this season as well. And so even though we rest in our salvation, of course, we do not treat God's free grace through faith in Christ as cheap grace by continuing in cheap grace habitual sin it just reminds us of all that Christ has done. You know again in verse 11 the teacher says he has made everything beautiful in its time also he has put his heart. You know i didn't grow up observing ash wednesday but we have come i have come personally at least to appreciate how presbyterians and other christians purposely mark this season of lent remembering that without jesus making a way we would be lost apart from his presence of eternal and perfect love. Oh, we need him. It's that longing. He is the answer to our deepest questions. And from Genesis 3.19, as we said earlier, you are dust and to dust you shall return. The mark of the ashes remind us this life is short. You see, new life with Christ involves a daily surrendering of this old life. And so this journey that we're on, it's a daily surrendering, and it's, it's marked by this journey of going towards a glorious celebration of Easter, this journey to the cross. I like to, too often, rush to Easter, rush to the joy, rush to the victory. Lent is an invitation to sit with the ashes, to remember all that Christ has done, to not rush through our mortality, to not rush through the the immense reality of all that Christ has done to bridge that gap so that we might be with him for eternity. Yes, God has set eternity into our hearts, but we're not guaranteed being eternally connected to the love of God unless we yield to the cross. It's a reminder of our gratitude, but also our longing for that day. See, the words of Job also resonate as he considered the holiness of this sovereign God and his own sin, and he saw this separation and his need for forgiveness in Job 42.6. He says, I repent in dust and ashes. And so, in many ways, we are remembering the great forefathers of our faith, like Job. I repent in dust in ashes. I remember my mortality. I remember. I need you, Jesus. Now, we want to make sure that no one should feel required to partake in the ashes or even to attend Ash Winds, or even watch the service. It's not a requirement, as Abby let us know. And in fact, it'd be kind of ironic if we saw placing the ashes in a really visible spot somehow makes us more pious. I mean, it'd be the, the most ironic thing we could do, right? And yet, it can be a way to meaningfully, as followers of Christ, mark this special season. Remembering God is put eternity into our hearts, and yet, without Christ, I am condemned to a separation. Our mortality gives us no hope. No human invention is going to save us from our lostness. And so today is simply another way to offer our mortal bodies to the Lord, growing in gratitude for God's grace by preparing our hearts and our minds to soak in the reality of the Easter resurrection. This is a preparation. It's a season of remembering. Like how writer Philip Yancey says, he says, the same lesson that Job learned in Dust and Ashes, which is that we humans cannot figure out life on our own, the teacher in Ecclesiastes He learns in a robe and in a palace. And so unless we acknowledge our limits and subject ourselves to God's rule, unless we trust the giver of all good gifts, we will end up in a state of despair. And so Ecclesiastes calls us to accept our status as creatures under the dominion of the creator and something that few of us do without a struggle. Friends, it's a time to pause. It's a time to, yes, we celebrate the resurrection of Christ, yes, every Sunday and every day, but we pause and we slow down, and we realize we are but mortals in need of a Savior. Let me say one last thing before we sing some more and affix some ashes. We just wrapped up our series in Colossians, and Paul instructs us in chapter 3 to put off the old self and put on the new self. And in a sense, Lent is the opportunity to do exactly this, putting off the old and putting on the new. So on this Ash Wednesday, we're we're actively putting off the old self of self-centeredness, self-dependence, self-reliance, and we're putting on the new self of loving God, loving others. Now, a couple notes. During Lent, it's often that people will fast one meal or or maybe they'll fast um, for longer. Uh, They might take uh, this fasting ritual and then take that money or resources they saved up and then give it to those in need. That's a great practice if you choose to do that. Some people get creative and they'll commit to do something like this. They're going to fast from news intake for the next 40 days. I mean... I did that this last fall for six weeks, and I'll tell you, it made a difference. Get creative with how you want to choose to do your fast. I will tell you, whether you give up news or give up coffee or give up sugar or give up being a cynic all the time, whatever that may be, it's an invitation to remember our mortal selves, that eternity has been placed in our hearts, that we're meant for something much better than we are experiencing, that something better is yet to come. So we invite you to cease in some way to remember this Lenten season and perhaps even something that would result in you being able to save some money to give to someone in need. And so I I can imagine that some of you will take a huge risk, listen to this one, and you're going to cancel your Netflix account (laughs) for 40 days. And you're going to take that money and you're going to help us collect resources for the Young Life Homework Center in Monterey County. Wouldn't that be a fun way to remember that our fasting has a purpose to connect us with the Lord and to bless others? I know that's a risky one, right? But pray for creative opportunities to choose less so that someone could experience more, more of God's grace, more of Christ's love, more of the Spirit's wisdom. And so in this Ash Wednesday, we embark on this journey where less of my ways and more of God's ways becomes our practice. Feel free to get creative with however you want to lean into this Lenten season. So every week, we're going to remind you of this opportunity to specifically support this Young Life Homework Center that seeks to share the gospel in words, in actions, and in relationships. We hope you'll participate in some way to remember that this Lenten season, as we go with less, it's so that others can experience more, more in Christ. He's ready to pour out his love to us. Would you join me in a prayer? And then we're going to continue with some song. King Jesus, we know, Lord, in our hearts, we were meant for something More than just this life. And we know, Lord, these ashes remind us that we are lost without you. And so, Lord, we pray that you would change us. You would shape us. That you would help us. Lord, show us what it means as we confess our sins and as we repent. What does it mean that we embrace the grace that is found through faith in you, Christ? Oh, Lord. We mark this day as the beginning of a season of remembering our mortality and the hope we have in you, the eternal son of God, who came to rescue us. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for taking that cross in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information about Carmel Presbyterian Church, visit our website at www.carmelpres.org or any of our social media pages. Have a blessed rest of your week.